Psalm 42, 1 through 11. This is the word of the Lord. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I'd go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands His steadfast love. And at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God remains forever. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you as we come to this psalm this morning, we are reminded uh, that you care about our sorrows and our suffering. Uh, Lord, we see the psalmist lead us um, in reminding ourselves of truth. And we pray, Lord, as we consider your word, that we would be encouraged and comforted, that we'd be strengthened, that we'd be convicted and helped. And Lord, we thank you that we know you will do these things. May you pray. Amen. May be seated. Well, this morning uh, we were looking at Psalm 42, uh, which was not the plan, but we are trusting God's uh, good providence for us today. Uh, so we're looking at Psalm 42, verses 1 through 11. And um, this psalm is a well-known psalm. Uh, there's many songs that have been written from this psalm. Uh, however, this psalm, even though it's well-known, uh, this is not written by King David. Often the psalms that we know best are psalms written by King David or King Solomon. And the superscript tells us that Psalm 42 was actually written by one of the sons of Korah. And, and the truth is that, that we don't know much about the sons of Korah. But what we do know is that the sons of Korah were a group of Levites. Uh, they served as musicians in the temple. And so the sons of Korah as a group were responsible for writing a number of the psalms that we have in our Bibles. And this, in this particular psalm, we find the author... Uh, wrestling with his emotions. Uh, he's wrestling with his emotions. And as you read this passage, uh, you can hear just how incredibly sad the author is. And, and the commentators on this passage, uh, they shed some light on why our author is so dejected. Uh, based on what we read in this psalm, uh, most commentators agree that this psalm was written shortly after the, um, after the exile, uh, during the time period when Judah had been conquered, uh, when many of the people were led away in captivity. And so in this psalm, we hear the sorrow and the grief of this man uh, who is separated from his home, uh, who is separated from the temple where he had spent most of his life, and who is now surrounded by enemies who mock his continued devotion to God. And so it's, it's, it's not hard to understand why he feels um, separated from his God. These are the words of a man who is crying out from the depths of sadness, the depths of grief. And yet this psalm is not only... Um, a cry of sadness. 
Uh, it's also an instruction manual uh, for how we can go to God in our own seasons of sorrow, how we can go to God in our own seasons of deep grief. And as I was preparing for this sermon, you know, I started to think about you know, what kind of illustrations I might use uh, for this passage. And, and the more that you think about it, the more that you realize that, unfortunately, none of us here this morning really needs an illustration to help us understand sorrow or grief. Uh, we all live in a world where from the youngest age, uh, we begin to become acquainted with the sadness and the grief of life in a fallen world. Uh, we are all too familiar with the sorrows that accompany this life. Uh, we've watched diseases and cancers slowly wear away uh, the bodies of friends and family members. Uh, we've watched marriages and relationships fall apart. We've seen injustice. Uh, we've seen oppression of the weak throughout the world. We've, we've grieved over the way our own sins, uh, the way that the sins of others affect our relationship with God, the way they affect our relationship with one another. Uh, we've had to talk to our kids about why sometimes other kids are mean to them. Uh, we've had to, uh, we tried to help them know how to respond the right way. Uh, we've been frustrated, as some days it seems like our bodies are conspiring against us. Uh, we have lost jobs. We've battled cancer. We've watched our lives change around us with no warning. And we've all wished that we had more control over our own lives. You know, we sat there. We've cried. We've, we've done all this without a clue of what we're going to do next. So we all know what it's like to go through seasons of sadness. Uh, we know what it's like to wonder when the season will end and to even wonder where is our God in this moment? And since all of us here this morning know what it's like to experience sadness and experience seasons of grief, uh, we also need to learn uh, from this son of Korah how to rightly respond to these seasons of sorrow that we experience as we live out our pilgrim days here on earth. And so in this psalm, three times our author brings his lament. He brings his cry of sorrow to God. And three times we hear him respond to his own lament in faith. And so this morning... We're going to take some time to walk through Psalm 42 together, and then we're going to take just a few minutes to talk about you know, how we can learn to respond to our own seasons of sorrow in faith. And so in the first five verses of this psalm, we encounter the first lament, this first cry of sadness, and we encounter the first response. So I'm, going to, I'm going to read verses one through five again for us. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation, and my God. So here in verses one through five, uh, we're given an image of the author's just desperate desire for the presence of God in his life. Uh, he says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. Uh, he says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. He asks, when shall I come and be in your presence again? And in his captivity and in his sadness, he feels cut off from God's presence. He's separated from the temple, which was the symbol of God's presence with Israel. And it was also where he had spent most of his adult life as a temple musician. Uh, he's cut off from the temple. He's in captivity in a foreign land, and he feels cut off from the presence of God. And so he tells us that he longs for God. Um, as the deer pants for the water, he longs for God's presence with everything that he is. Uh, like a deer panting for water after being chased by the hunters or, 
like a deer panting for water in a drought. Uh, he is thirsting for God as he experiences his own spiritual drought. Uh, in, in this season, he is crying out to God, but he is feeling unheard. Uh, he's feeling unanswered, and he wants to know, when will this spiritual drought come to an end? And then to make things worse, he's also surrounded by enemies. He's surrounded by enemies who are mocking his continued devotion to his God. And his prayers and his tears, uh, as they go unanswered, his enemies mock him. Uh, Why would you be devoted to someone who's not answering you? And so not only does he feel cut off from his God, his enemies are mocking him for continuing to cry out to the God who does not appear to be listening. And his situation's made even worse because he thinks back to the times when he was leading worship at the temple. Um, He remembers the days when he was leading the people of God in the worship of God. In verse 4, he says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I'd go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. You know, here is a worship leader. Um, He's a worship leader at the temple. Uh, He didn't only enjoy personally being in God's presence. uh, He led others into it as well. We have a picture of this feast day, this festival where the people of Israel, a multitude, have gathered together to worship God. And he's remembering leading in this. And now here he is feeling cut off from from his God. And he doesn't know when that feeling is going to end. And I know that many of us here have been through similar seasons. Uh, Times when you are crying out to God and yet you still feel unheard and unanswered. The psalmist is desperate for God. At this point, to be in the presence of God is all that he wants, but he still feels alone, and reflecting on his memories of the past makes him even more sad. And then in verse 5, this lament, this cry of sadness, it takes a surprising turn. He says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation, and my God. You know, our author, he stops his lament for a second. He stops and he talks to himself in this psalm. He asks himself, why are you downcast? Why are you in turmoil? And then he reminds himself of God's promises. And and Charles Spurgeon explains this kind of sudden turn in the passage in this way. Charles Spurgeon says, his faith reasons with his fears. His hope argues with his sorrows. And I'll say that again. uh, Charles Spurgeon said, his faith reasons with his fears. His hope argues with his sorrows. Uh, the author of this psalm responds to his deep sorrow and his deep grief that he's feeling in faith. He responds with faith. God has not answered him, so he answers himself with the truths that he knows about God from Scripture. And we're going to see this pattern repeated two more times as we move through this psalm. The psalmist pours out his heart, and then he answers his own cry by reminding himself of the truth that he knows from Scripture. As we arrive at verses 6 through 8, we find a second lament, a second cry of sadness. I'm going to read verses 6 through 8 for us. It says this, My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. In verses 6 through 8, we learn um, that the psalmist is far away from Jerusalem. Uh, Derek Kidner explains that based on the names of the mountains that our author mentions, it appears that he's been taken away to the north when he was taken captive. And so in verse 6, we see that the psalmist is far from Jerusalem, and yet he has not lost his faith in his God. And then you read verse 7. Verse 7 is this uh, wonderful poetic line where our author 
describes the overwhelming sorrow that he's experiencing. He says, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All of your breakers and your waves have gone over me. You know, and this is a picture you might imagine of being at the beach, uh, being hit by wave after wave as you're trying to get up in the surf. This might have, maybe this has happened to you. Maybe you've seen children do this. You know, they're in four inches of water, but they can't get up because as the waves come in, it just keeps knocking them back down. That's how he's feeling right now. Now, that's what he's going through emotionally in this song. Wave after wave of sorrow, wave after wave of trouble continue to hit him. Uh, he feels under attack. He's homesick. He's feeling separated from God. He's being mocked for his faith. He's in a foreign land, and he doesn't know what's going to happen next. He is completely overwhelmed, and he feels like he is being absolutely battered by the waves. And yet, once again, he responds to his own lament with a statement of faith. In verse 8, he says, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. He moves from describing himself as being completely overwhelmed uh, by his sorrow and by his troubles to reminding himself of God's steadfast covenant love for him. I love verse 8. I'm going to read verse 8 again. It says, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. You know, even in his grief, the psalmist recognizes something that we easily forget. God is watching over us. God is watching over us in his perfect love all of the time. In the day and in the night, there is not a moment of your day when your faithful God forgets that he loves you or forgets to care about you. As the psalmist is buffeted by the waves, he anchors his heart in Yahweh's steadfast love for him. He, he anchors his heart in his covenant Lord's steadfast love for him. And then in verses 9 through 11, we find a third lament, a third cry of sadness. He says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And so here again, he very honestly lays his heart out before God. He asks, why have you forgotten me? You know, throughout this psalm, he's told us that he longs for God's presence. He's told us that he misses worshiping God with his fellow believers. He's told us that in spite of being mocked for his faith, he's continued to trust in God. He's told us that even from a distance, he remembers his God, and that as the waves and the billows of sorrow have rolled over him, he knows that God is watching over him from morning to night. And here in verse 9, he cries out, why have you forgotten me? In spite of his faithfulness to God, he still feels forgotten and he still feels abandoned. And so in faith, he cries out, where are you, God? You know, he says, you're my rock. What are you doing? Don't you know that my adversaries are watching and they see that you haven't answered me and they're mocking us both? He's pouring out his heart to God. And then in verse 11, he says, why are you cast out, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Once again, he's poured out his heart, and once again, he responds uh, in faith. Um, you know, you, and when you read this, you hear that question, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? And you think, well, uh, probably because of all the reasons you've mentioned so far. Uh, those sound like a really good reason to be downcast. Uh, you're in captivity. You feel cut off from God. You're surrounded by enemies. If I had to guess, that's probably why you're cast down and why you're in turmoil. But that's not the question that he's asking. 
Um, he hasn't forgotten his circumstances. He's not, he's not being asked, to, he's not trying to be reminded of all the bad things in his life, the things that have gone wrong. He hasn't forgotten his circumstances or the reasons that he's sad. He's asking this question to himself, uh, why he's cast down, why he's in turmoil, uh, when he has a God like, the, like his God. Um, his God is a saving God who is more powerful than all the circumstances that have led him into this season of sorrow. His God is a caring God who hears his cries. And so once again, our author responds to his own cries with a statement of faith. He doesn't ask himself, why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil? Because he's forgotten why he's sad. He's asking, why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil? Because of the incredible God that he has who's still with him. And so three times in this psalm, he pours out his heart to God. And three times he responds to his own cry of sadness and faith with truth that he knows from Scripture. And so this morning, before we go, we're going to take just a few minutes uh, to talk about how we can learn from this psalmist to rightly respond to our own seasons of sorrow. And the first way that we learn to respond to our own seasons of sorrow is to take our emotions to God. So the first way that we learn to respond to our own seasons of sorrow is to take our emotions to God. Uh, for some reason, uh, growing up, for me, uh, maybe other Christians have experienced this, uh, some of us had this idea that uh, we aren't allowed to be sad, uh, we're not allowed to be depressed, we're not, and that they, we are, uh, that there's something wrong with us or something wrong with our faith as a Christian. And this psalm shows us that this isn't the truth. Here in this psalm, we see this faithful worship leader uh, pouring out his sorrow to his God, and this is important for us to notice. And one of the reasons why it's so important for us to be reminded to take our sorrow to God is because we tend to take our sorrow to other places. Uh, some of us are comfort eaters. Uh, some of us are comfort shoppers. Uh, some of us turn to lust. Some of us turn to our friends or our family uh, for comfort. Some of us turn to Netflix. We watch an entire season of, TV, of a TV show in one night. Um, I know some of us have done that. Uh, some of us bury ourselves in a book. You know, the reality is that we, we all take our sorrow somewhere uh, but our tendency is to take our sorrow to all kinds of places that can distract us, uh, but that can't actually help us. And so this morning, we can learn from the psalmist to take our sorrow to God, and that we are allowed as Christians to tell God that we're sad, uh, that we're, we don't have to understand what he's doing, and we can say that. Uh, we're allowed as Christians to tell God that we miss him, uh, to even ask if he's forsaken us. And I want to give us two other passages that show us the same truth. Uh, psalm 55, verse 22 Psalm 55, 22, it tells us to cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 7, uh, 1 Peter 5, 7, it echoes this by reminding us to cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You know, when you're overwhelmed with sorrow, when you're overwhelmed with grief, when you're cast down and in turmoil, go to the Lord. Tell him that in faith trusting that he cares for you. And so the first way that we learn to respond uh, to our own seasons of sorrow is to take our emotions to God. The second way that we learn to respond to our own seasons of sorrow is to talk to ourselves. The second way we respond is by learning to talk to ourselves. Uh, normally, talking to yourself is considered to be a bad thing, uh, but not in this case. Uh, one of the things that you notice in this psalm is that is the psalmist who responds to his own lament. Uh, he cries out to God, and then he reminds himself of the truth that he knows about God, and in that way, he finds hope. Uh, you and I need to learn to talk to ourselves in our seasons of sorrow. Uh, when the psalmist is overcome with sorrow, he reminds himself of God's past actions. 
uh, God's past actions um, in his life and in the, in the Bible. Uh, he reminds himself of God's character. He reminds himself of God's promises. You know, he doesn't let his emotions or his circumstances have the last word. You know, he confronts his emotions, he confronts his circumstances with the truth of Scripture. And we need to learn to do the same. And here's, a, here's another passage for us that shows us this. Uh, this is Psalm 94, 19. Psalm 94, 19 says, When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. You know, when the cares of our hearts are many, we remind ourselves of the truths that we know from Scripture about God, uh, about the God who is watching over us morning and night. You know, we remind ourselves of all that He has done in the past, uh, the way that He has shown His power and His love in the Bible, the way that He's shown His power and His love in our own lives. We remind ourselves of His character. He is faithful. He is good. He is loving. We remind ourselves of what Scripture teaches us about God. Uh, we remind ourselves of His promises. Scripture is full of wonderful promises uh, that we can remind ourselves of during our own seasons of sorrow. Uh, when we are overwhelmed by our emotions, when we are overwhelmed by our circumstances, uh, we learn to respond by talking to ourselves. And the third way that we learn to respond to our own seasons of sorrow is to take comfort in Christ. The third way that we learn to respond to our own seasons of sorrow is to take comfort in Christ. You know, throughout this psalm, the author refers to God as his, his salvation. And it's in Jesus Christ that we see God's full plan for salvation realized. And when we enter into a season of sorrow and a season of grief, you know, we can take comfort knowing that Jesus Christ knows what we're experiencing. Um, Isaiah 53, 1 through 5, I'm going to read this for us. It's a familiar passage, but we see this illustrated. Uh, Isaiah 53, 1 through 5 says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Isaiah calls Jesus a man of sorrows. He tells us that Jesus bore our griefs, that he carried our sorrows. And Isaiah tells us that Jesus did this willingly. Uh, so that a way could be made for our sins to be forgiven. And for us to be reconciled to God. And so we can take comfort in Christ knowing that he has suffered on our behalf. And we can take comfort in Christ knowing that he is not only a sufferer. He is not only a sufferer, he is a conqueror. Uh, he will win the final battle. When he does, Revelation 21, verse 4 tells us that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, that death shall be no more, uh, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And so we can take comfort in Christ knowing that he is ruling and reigning over all things, and that in the end he will finally forever wipe away our tears. And so the bad news for us this morning is that we all know uh, that we're going to go through seasons of sorrow in this life. Uh, for some of us, those seasons may be short. For some of us, those seasons may be long. Uh, but the good for us, news for us this morning is that what we see in Psalm 42 is that while those seasons are certain to come, our God cares about the sorrows of his people. Uh, when we enter the seasons of grief and sorrow, when we enter seasons of trouble, you know, we don't have to pretend that we're not sad. We don't have to pretend that we're not struggling. Uh, and we're not left on our own. Uh, to fight our way through. Uh, the Lord has given us his word. He's given us the spirit. He's given us his church. 
uh, to help us during these seasons. So when these seasons come, uh, when these seasons of sorrow come, and they will, uh, we can be honest. We can be honest about our emotions. And in Jesus Christ, uh, we can respond in faith, entrusting ourselves, um, emotions and all, to our ever